Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. John Locke, Second Treatise of Government, Chapter 9, Of the Ends of Political Society and Government. Section 123. If man, in the state of nature, be so free as has been said, if he be absolute lord of his own person and possessions, equal to the greatest and subject to nobody, why will he part with his freedom? Why will he give up this empire and subject himself to the dominion and control of any other power? To which it is obvious to answer, that though in the state of nature he hath such a right, yet the enjoyment of it is very uncertain and constantly exposed to the invasion of others. For all being kings as much as he, every man his equal, and the greater part no strict observers of equity and justice, the enjoyment of the property he has in this state is very unsafe, very unsecure. This makes him willing to quit a condition which, however free, is full of fears and continual dangers. And it is not without reason that he seeks out and is willing to join in society with others who are already united, or have a mind to unite, for the mutual preservation of their lives, liberties, and estates, which I call by the general name, property. Section 124. The great and chief end, therefore, of men's uniting into commonwealths and putting themselves under government, is the preservation of their property, to which in the state of nature there are many things wanting. First, there once an established, settled, known law, received and allowed by common consent to be the standard of right and wrong, and the common measure to decide all controversies between them. For though the law of nature be plain and intelligible to all rational creatures, yet men being biased by their interest, as well as ignorant for want of study of it, are not apt to allow of it as a law binding to them in the application of it to their particular cases. Section 125. Secondly, in the state of nature there wants a known and indifferent judge with authority to determine all differences according to the established law. For everyone in that state being both judge and executioner of the law of nature, Men being partial to themselves, passion and revenge is very apt to carry them too far, and with too much heat in their own cases, as well as negligence and unconcernedness to make them too remiss in other men's. Section 126. Thirdly, in the state of nature there often wants power to back and support the sentence when right, and to give it due execution. They, who by any injustice offended, will seldom fail, where they are able, by force to make good their injustice. Such resistance many times makes the punishment dangerous, and frequently destructive to those who attempt it. Section 127. Thus mankind, notwithstanding all the privileges of the state of nature, being but in an ill condition while they remain in it, are quickly driven into society 
Hence it comes to pass that we seldom find any number of men live any time together in this state. The inconveniences that they are therein exposed to, by the irregular and uncertain exercise of the power every man has of punishing the transgressions of others, make them take sanctuary under the established laws of government, and therein seek the preservation of their property. It is this makes them so willingly give up every one his single power of punishing, to be exercised by such alone, as shall be appointed to it amongst them, and by such rules as the community, or those authorized by them to that purpose, shall agree on. And in this we have the original right and rise of both the legislative and executive power, as well as of the governments and societies themselves. Section 128. For in the state of nature, to omit the liberty he has of innocent delights, a man has two powers. The first is to do whatsoever he thinks fit for the preservation of himself and others within the permission of the law of nature, by which law, common to them all, he and all the rest of mankind are one community, make up one society, distinct from all other creatures. And were it not for the corruption and viciousness of degenerate men, there would be no need of any other, no necessity that men should separate from this great and natural community, and by positive agreements combine into smaller and divided associations. The other power a man has in the state of nature is the power to punish the crimes committed against that law. Both these he gives up. When he joins in a private, if I may so call it, or particular politic society, and incorporates into any commonwealth separate from the rest of mankind. Section 129. The first power, namely of doing whatsoever he thought for the preservation of himself and the rest of mankind, he gives up to be regulated by laws made by the society, so far forth as the preservation of himself and the rest of that society shall require. Which laws of the society in many things confine the liberty he had by the law of nature? Section 130. Secondly, the power of punishing he wholly gives up, and engages his natural force, which he might before employ in the execution of the law of nature, by his own single authority, as he thought fit to assist the executive power of the society, as the law thereof shall require. For being now in a new state, wherein he is to enjoy many conveniences from the labor, assistance, and society of others in the same community, as well as protection from its whole strength, he is to part also with as much of his natural liberty in providing for himself as the good, prosperity, and safety of the society shall require which is not only necessary, but just, since the other members of the society do the like. Section 131. But though men, when they enter into society, give up the equality, liberty, and executive power they had in the state of nature, into the hands of the society, to be so far disposed of by the legislative as the good of the society shall require, yet it being only with an intention in every one the better to preserve himself, his liberty, and property. 
for no rational creature can be supposed to change his condition with an intention to be worse. The power of the society, or legislative constituted by them, can never be supposed to extend farther than the common good, but is obliged to secure every one's property by providing against those three defects above mentioned that made the state of nature so unsafe and uneasy. And so, whoever has the legislative or supreme power of any commonwealth is bound to govern by established standing laws, promulgated and known to the people, and not by extemporary decrees, by indifferent and upright judges who are to decide controversies by those laws, and to employ the force of the community at home only in the execution of such laws or abroad to prevent or redress foreign injuries, and secure the community from inroads and invasion. And all this to be directed to no other end but the peace, safety, and public good of the people. Chapter 10. Of the Forms of a Commonwealth. Section 132. The majority having, as has been shown, upon men's first uniting into society, the whole power of the community naturally in them may employ all that power in making laws for the community from time to time, and executing those laws by officers of their own appointing. And then the form of the government is a perfect democracy, or else may put the power of making laws into the hands of a few select men, and their heirs or successors, and then it is an oligarchy, or else into the hands of one man and then it is a monarchy, if to him and his heirs it is an hereditary monarchy, if to him only for life, but upon his death the power only of nominating a successor to return to them, an elective monarchy. And so accordingly of these the community may make compounded and mixed forms of government, as they think good. And if the legislative power be at first given by the majority to one or more persons only for their lives, or any limited time, and then the supreme power to revert to them again. When it is so reverted, the community may dispose of it again anew, into what hands they please, and so constitute a new form of government. For the form of government, depending upon the placing the supreme power, which is the legislative, it being impossible to conceive that an inferior power should prescribe to a superior, or any but the supreme make laws, According as the power of making laws is placed, such is the form of the commonwealth. Section 133. By commonwealth, I must be understood all along to mean not a democracy or any form of government, but any independent community, which the Latins signified by the word civitas, to which the word which best answers in our language is commonwealth and most properly expresses such a society of men, which community or city in English does not. For there may be subordinate communities in a government, and city amongst us has a quite different notion from commonwealth, and therefore, to avoid ambiguity, I crave leave to use the word commonwealth in that sense, in which I find it used by King James I, and I take it to be its genuine signification, which if anybody dislike, I consent with him to change it for a better. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. 
And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>